Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey everyone, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports, episode number nine, uh, here brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm your host, Noah Schwartz, today, and today's episode comes out of the blue. I wasn't really expecting to do an episode today. I was kind of waiting uh, for later this week, probably Thursday, it's Tuesday now, but I was waiting for probably Thursday uh, before the NFL uh, starts back up again for week number 15, but couldn't hold to those plans because about an hour ago, it's about 3.15 when I'm doing when I'm doing the show right now, and about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, uh, we found out the breaking news of the NBA offseason. Giannis Antetokounmpo is staying in Milwaukee on a Supermax contract. He will be there for the next six seasons, or at least five seasons, uh, with the Bucks. He is now owed $256 million over the next six seasons, and he signed a five-year Supermax extension worth $228 million. So he's got one more year this coming season on his current deal, and then five years on his next deal, $228 million on that, plus another $27 million or so to get us to $256 million. And there is an opt-out clause uh, in 2025 for Giannis. So that is the contract. He will be in Milwaukee for the very long haul, and he'll be able to build a legacy in the city that he started his career with, and he'll be able to play out the majority of his prime there, or uh, possibly even his entire career if he decides to stay past his next deal. Uh, this is something that has been long rumored in this in this league, probably over a year now. We've been hearing rumors about what Giannis possibly could do. Will he stay? Will he go? Will they look to trade him? Will they look to re-sign him? There has been so many different rumors that have swirled around uh, recently and in, in, in recent recent months and. So now we're at the conclusion of it, finally. I mean, the amount of teams that we have heard that have wanted Giannis, the list is endless. I mean, I think every team in the league was willing to, in some way, shape, or form, clear cap space or make crazy trades just to get a chance to sign this guy. That's how uh, important it was for teams, and that's how much they were going to prioritize Giannis because they knew and they know how good he really is and how much he could change their franchise. But he's staying where he was. He's staying put. Uh, he's going to be in Milwaukee, and it's just a great great day for the league, great day for Giannis, great day for Bucks fans. Um, so let's start with how this really impacts Giannis. Giannis came into the league six or seven years ago as an 18-year-old kid out of Greece, 15th overall pick. Nobody knew who he was. He was just tall, lanky, and skinny. He didn't have much skill. He didn't have much experience, and he was quiet and shy, and it was just going to try and find his place in a sport that he really didn't know much about where he was going to. He'd never heard of Milwaukee, I don't think. He'd never been to America, I don't believe. And it was just a totally new situation for a guy who was such a young kid and didn't really know what he was getting himself into. Fast forward seven years, and he is probably the second best player in the world. Maybe you could argue third or fourth, but I would say he's second or third. Uh, Two-time MVP, back-to-back. Defensive player of the year. Uh, two years in a row on the best regular season team in the game, and one of the faces of the league, outside of LeBron James, he may be the second most recognizable player in the sport. Uh, you could also argue maybe Steph Curry, but he's in the top three or four. Um, and, and he's to this point, he is the most important international player that I think the NBA has ever had. Maybe you could argue Yao Ming, but the impact that Giannis has had across Europe 
with kids and, and young people in Greece and in Africa where his parents are from, what he's been able to do to impact those areas and to inspire them to continue ahead and play basketball, it is really something uh, that I think a lot of people around the game have been impressed by and something that's going to help him continue to grow his legacy as he goes forward because he's going to only continue to inspire people across the globe. I mean, this guy is a star that extends beyond Milwaukee or Wisconsin or the Midwest or even America. This guy's an international superstar. And what he can do on a basketball floor, very few people, if anyone, have any have ever been able to do in the NBA. The way he glides down the floor with those long strides, the way he dunks, his defensive ability, his versatility, his passing ability for a guy of that size, his ability to handle the basketball, all the things that he does, it's so unique. And that's why people call him the Greek freak, because nobody's ever seen a guy like this before. A six foot eleven or a seven foot just deer running at you. And he's impossible to stop in transition. He is impossible to stop once he gets once once the defender's uh, backing up towards the basket. I mean, there's just no way to really defend this guy and to keep him from the basket. It, he's so hard to guard. And what he can do on both ends of the floor is really staggering. And obviously, he's being rewarded for it with this contract and all the awards and accolades he's racked up uh, over the last three or four years. He is really a special player. And he's only, what is he, 26? I think he's 26 years old. And he'll be able to be in this league for at least another decade. I mean, that's how good he is. He's only 26 years old. He's about to be 27. Uh, or he, just, he actually just turned 26 a couple days ago, like a week and a half ago. He just turned 26. So he, ju- he he's just right into his prime. And what he's already accomplished is staggering. What he'll be able to accomplish, uh, you can't even, it's hard to even imagine at this point. But he's got another decade plus in this league to be one of the great players that we've had. And I think by the time he's he's retired, he'll be probably a top 20 player ever. He might be in the top 30 already based on what he's done. I mean, there are very few players in the history of the league with a defensive player of the year award with multiple MVPs. He's the only the, only the second or third guy ever in league history with an MVP and a defensive player of the year in the same season. I know Michael Jordan did it. I think Hakeem Olajuwon also did it. Uh, but outside of those two, nobody else. And so that's really how Giannis, how special Giannis is. And what he's going to be able to do for the city of Milwaukee is also really important. That's a franchise. They play in a small little market. Uh, they're really not that important in the grand scheme, th- scheme of things in the NBA. They don't play on the, in a big market. They don't play on the coast. They're not Los Angeles. They're not New York. They're not Chicago. They're not Boston. But Giannis has put that city on the map, and they will continue to be one of the premier and most important franchises in the game for the next decade. Uh, he, he's basically the anti-Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at this point. You had Kareem there. He won a championship in 1970 and then was gone and was a Laker. And it looks like Giannis is going to be able to do the exact opposite of that for the rest of his career. Be in the small market, endure the cold weather, and do what it takes to win multiple championships with a team that I don't think many fans would think of if they were just thinking about the most important and, uh, most glamorous franchises across our sport. That's not the Bucks, but Giannis wants to be there, and it's great for him, and it's great for the fan base. Uh, they're going to be able to chase free agents now in a way that they had never have. I mean, if you think about what that team at this point has, Giannis long-term, Chris Middleton's there long-term, you just traded for Drew Holiday. Every single time a free agent, uh, a star free agent comes about or somebody wants to be traded, the Bucks can be in on those players because Giannis is the type of guy that not only do stars want to play with him, but I think a lot of players around the league and, and even some of the best players really respect him for 
his leadership and the way he's been able to take control of that franchise and lead them lead them back to a winning winning mentality. They didn't have that for a while, and he's been able to accomplish that in recent seasons. I think a lot of players have a lot of respect and admiration for him. And when guys become available, they'll put Milwaukee on their list because not everybody's going to be able to go to the big markets and be in those glamour cities. Some players will have to settle and try and find winning situations elsewhere. Milwaukee will be at the top of many stars lists. I, I, I'm just two examples I'll throw at you. I remember last year when Anthony Davis was making his trade list. Of course, he had the Celtics on there. Of course, he had the, the Lakers on there. And what was the other team that he had? The Bucks. How about James Harden? And by the way, James Harden and Giannis haven't really gotten along very much. And James Harden on his trade list that he has put out there, I think it was just last week that he announced it, or that it was it was it was rumored. Uh, he's got he's got a uh, Miami on there. He has the Brooklyn Nets on there. I think I'm missing a team, but then he's got Milwaukee, the Sixers who I'm missing, and then you've got and then you get and then you got the Bucks, and that's just because stars want to play with Giannis. Stars want to be with great with other great players, and so they're going to be in on free agents and in on trade targets going forward. I think it's only a matter of time before you possibly see guys like, I don't know, let's say Bradley Beal. Maybe he'll be traded. Uh, possibly other stars, and the the Bucks can be in on all those guys. They can make real negotiations and make real headway towards getting those guys into Milwaukee to provide Giannis with additional support. And of course, they just recently did it, trading Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, and that's a great move. Drew Holiday is a phenomenal uh, player that they're going to be able to utilize and he'll help them on both ends but there are better players out there than drew and they could potentially be in on those guys if that opportunity ever becomes available it's really a great way for the bucks to be a sustainable contender continue to be active on the trade market continue to be active in free agency and make upgrades where necessary they'll be able uh, to do it and here's the other thing for the bucks i know they haven't made a finals yet i know it's been hard for them in the playoffs the last two years but they have the opportunity to be the Eastern Conference's next dynasty. Now, of course, there's other great teams around the league, and Brooklyn's coming back this year, and the Sixers are good, and there are a lot of uh, really talented teams in the Eastern Conference. But when you have a guy like Giannis, and then you have Middleton locked up also, this is a team that will be able to make multiple finals appearances in the next five years. They'll probably win at least one championship, if not multiple, and they'll be able to shut up a lot of the critics around the league about Giannis's lack of playoff success and his lack of a jump shot and all the things that people have gotten on him for in the past. But when you have continuity and you have the same players returning to your franchise year after year after year, and it's the same leader and it's the same coach, Mike Budenholzer is awesome, and it's the same executive, John Horst is awesome, one of the best uh, GMs, GMs you'll find. When you bring all that back and you have all the same aspects of your team back year after year, eventually you're going to break through and win a championship, especially when you have a guy like Giannis. So it's, it's really a special day for the Bucks. There has been rumors about this for so long. It has been rumored for, let's just say, a year, if not more. And w was Giannis going to go to Miami? Was he going to go to Dallas? Were they going to make trades for him? Like, who was going to tear down their entire roster in order to have a chance to just sign this guy? I mean, the Lakers have been openly recruiting Giannis for at least a year now because they signed Costas Antetokounmpo, his younger brother, to a two-way deal. They then brought him back for this year on another two-way deal. Typically, you don't see a lot of guys come back for a second year on a two-way contract. The Lakers did it. They haven't played Kosas at all, but he's back again. And you think that hasn't that doesn't have uh, some reason to do with Giannis? No, of course it has a lot to do with that. They really wanted to be in on him, and 
now they're not going to be able to do it, but teams across the league, big market, small market, as long as you've got talent and you have a winning culture and you have a winning franchise, Giannis was going to take a real look at you, or at least that's what we thought, and now it won't turn out that way. He will be back. He will be Ben Milwaukee for the next six years, and I think the league has got to be so happy about this. The league has got to be really thrilled that it's not just a coastal league anymore. There are stars in L.A., there are stars in New York, there can be stars in Chicago, there can be stars in Boston, but you want to have the Midwest represented, you want to have your smaller markets represented, and when you see guys like Zion, who's one of the league's biggest stars now in New Orleans, and you have Giannis, uh, you have him in Milwaukee, and Luka is playing in Dallas, and there are just stars all across the league, that is how the NBA really succeeds, because it can't just be a coastal big market league. It has to be there has to be talent across the spectrum. So it's great for the league. It is great for Giannis. He'll make all the money that he ever would need, and he'll probably get multiple contracts in the future after this is even done because he'll be a free agent at like 31 or 32, which is just shocking based on what he's done already. Uh, it's it's really an awesome day to be an NBA fan. And with the season coming up in just a week now, I know this will be on the he- uh, on the minds of many fans, but now that we have all these offseason moves done and we can just head into the season, it's... It's really, a, it's really a happy moment for the league because I know it's been a tough year for them with the bubble and the pandemic and everything. This is a time to rejoice. This is what the league wanted. They wanted Giannis to stay. Uh, they wanted to build a talent base in Milwaukee, keep another contender going in the East for a while. And they've done it. And uh, they've convinced Giannis. The Bucks have convinced Giannis to stay. Awesome day for the league. And uh, we'll see what happens from here. I think they'll win multiple championships over his tenure with the Bucks. All right, we'll be right back on Schwartz on Sports. Uh, That was a really fun segment. I was so happy I got a chance to react to it so quickly after it happened uh, with this big Giannis news. I'll be right back. We'll take a quick commercial break, and then on to last night's crazy NFL game. That'll be the second segment of the day, Uh, the Browns and the Ravens. Crazy NFL uh, night last night, Monday Night Football, and one of the best games we've seen all season, if not the best. So we'll get to that in a second. We'll be right back. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Hoff and Pepper Hot Sauce. Handcrafted with farm-fresh jalapenos and habaneros, Hoff's original hot sauce has gone on to win numerous awards and gain international recognition. Hoff and Pepper always strives to create sauces and seasonings that enhance flavors with balanced heat profiles. Every one of their handmade products is manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and is naturally vegan and gluten-free. Shop today at hoffandpepper.com, and when you enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout, You'll save 10% off your purchase. Hey everyone, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports, uh, brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network. Just talked about Giannis and the breaking news of him re-signing in Milwaukee. And now we'll get to what was a crazy night in the NFL last night. The game of the year thus far in 2020, and one of the best games I've seen in a long time. I've been an NFL fan for a very, very long time at this point. And this was as good as it ever can get uh, between the Ravens and Browns on Monday night last night. Truly special stuff. The Ravens eventually won the game by a final of 47-42. to 42. Uh, But this was drama from the start of the fourth quarter all the way to the end of it. So basically what happened was the Browns scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to come back. And Lamar Jackson actually suffered from cramps late in the fourth quarter and had to go back to the locker room 
for almost two whole drives, and the Browns were ahead, and so Trace McSorley, the backup quarterback, got hurt on a third down play, and Jackson was still in the locker room, and so they didn't have another quarterback. All of a sudden, Jackson, like Willis Reed in the NBA Finals back 50 years ago almost now for the New York Knicks, runs out of the locker room, puts his helmet on, and suits up for a fourth down and five from like the 30-yard line. Well, he comes back, has no rhythm, hasn't been in the game for like a half an hour, comes in and finds Hollywood Brown on fourth down and five for a long touchdown, and they take the lead, then the Browns tie it on a on another touchdown, but they leave the Ravens a little bit too much time. And the best kicker in league history from 55 yards, Justin Tucker, at the buzzer, wins the game uh, for, for the Ravens. They go ahead by three. There's one last play. The Browns try hook and lateral. It ends up turning into a safety. So that's why you have 47 rather than 45. But it was truly crazy. It was really only something you could believe if you were there and watched it. It's hard to describe it. It's hard to put it truly into words of how storybook it was. Because I've never seen any any football game quite like that one before or last night. I, it's just something you see once in a million years. And that's what it turned out to be last night. It was the most iconic game to this point of Lamar Jackson's career. It was also the best game to this point of Baker Mayfield's career. Doesn't didn't turn out that way because he ended up losing. But stats-wise and the, the, the poise he showed in the fourth quarter, best game of his career to this point. And these are two teams that, although they're not in first place in their division, although neither team is a guarantee and a lock to make the playoffs, both squads look like real threats to make a serious run at the conference in the AFC. I'm not saying they're they're at Kansas City's level. I'm not even saying they're at a team like Buffalo or maybe Tennessee's level. But both of these uh, both of these teams could give you a serious scare in a road playoff game. They're both going to be wild cards if they make it. But if they go on the road and face you, they are difficult and they are really tough outs because they have different elements that they can throw at you that very few teams in this league can. And it starts on both for both teams with the running game. And I talked about it on the last episode in Describe 5. These are the two best rushing teams in the league, and they showed it last night. The Ravens didn't get a lot from their running backs, only 53 yards from the rookie J.K. Dobbins and then another 49 yards from Gus Edwards. But their attack last night was fully predicated on what Lamar Jackson was doing. And he only ran the ball five times, no, sorry, nine times. But in those nine carries, he averaged 13.8 for 124 yards and two scores. He is, and, and as a quarterback, I'm saying this, he's not even a running back. He is truly one of the greatest runners of the football I've ever seen. He is so athletic, he is so dynamic, and every single play could turn into a big play when you are Lamar Jackson. He's so dangerous. And if he goes into any road stadium and faces a defense, as the game gets going and as it goes deeper into the second half, he can just wear you down because he can just run right by you. He can break tackles. He can juke you out. He can spin around you. It's very difficult to bring Lamar down. And that's why he's so dangerous. Last night, passing-wise, he didn't do anything. He was 11 of 17 for 163. And a large chunk of those yards came on the final drive when he had a couple of really important uh, completions to Mark Andrews, and then they ended up getting uh, into long field goal range for Tucker. But most of the night, he really didn't do anything passing-wise. He had one touchdown through the air, uh, took four sacks, uh, had a couple of near interceptions, and uh, threw a, missed a couple of balls deep to, to receivers. He's not a great passer at this point. 
He wasn't last year even when he led the league in touchdowns. He just declined a little bit this season. But what is so special about this guy is his running ability and his athleticism, and he's just so incredibly special in the open field, and that's why they can beat you. They're a very good defensive team. They're well-coached, and it all starts with Lamar. So any road, any, any playoff game that they go into on the road, not easy to beat this team because when you have Lamar Jackson, you're capable of really doing anything, no matter what game it is, no matter who your opponent is. And it's sort of the same thing for the Browns. Now, they don't have a Lamar Jackson, but they do have a Nick Chubb, and he might be the best running back in the league right now uh, outside of Derrick Henry. 17 carries for 82 last night and two touchdowns. Wasn't great, only 4.8 yards a carry. Didn't didn't do a whole lot, but still, one of the best rushers in the league and someone who is truly special uh, when he starts getting in the open field breaking tackles. And then you keep you keep him out there, and when he needs to come out, you put in... You put in Kareem Hunt, arguably the, the league's best number two back. And he didn't do a lot last night either, only 33 yards. But still, those two are a special group, a special duo. And then you have the Ravens with four backs, including Lamar, four guys who can hurt you. Uh, these two teams, offensively, they're all predicated on the run. They want to ground and pound. They want to use the time of possession. They want to win the possession battle. They want to turn you over. They want to be physical. And they want it to be a battle at the line of scrimmage for uh, who ultimately wins games. They're not going to go out and throw for 400 yards that often, although Baker did almost do that last night. It's not going to happen with the Ravens a lot. It's not going to even happen with Baker Mayfield all that much. They want to win the ball, win, win the games by running the football and by being the more physical and prepared team at the line of scrimmage once they face you. And that's what they showed last night. It was back and forth and back and forth. And, and uh, as I said, Lamar didn't do much passing-wise. Baker was 28-47 of 47 for 343 and showed a ton of poise down the stretch. But only 7.3 average, uh, did throw an interception to Tyus Bowser, a great play by him, and the leading receiver was Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. So it wasn't like they did a whole lot passing-wise either. They just had a lot of receivers who did contribute. Uh, it was it was really a running game. That That's what both teams want to do. That's how they want to win. And there are very few teams in the league right now who can hang their hat on their running game to the extent that these two can. They're the two best rushing teams in the league. But like I said about Lamar, Deep into games, and this is the same for Derrick Henry. That's the way I always describe Derrick Henry. When you have guys like Chubb or you guys have you have a Lamar or Derrick Henry, as the game gets deeper and as the defense gets more tired and they get worn out, it is really hard to stop the run. You can stop the pass. You know, you can get an interception. You can deflect a pass. You can play good coverage down the field. But trying to gang tackle and bring down a guy who's faster, bigger, stronger, more athletic than you, it's just really difficult, and it can get demoralizing if you struggle at it. And that's why I think both of these teams could be threats. Now, are they as talented as the Chiefs? Like I said, no. Are they as talented probably as the Steelers? Eh, probably not. But could they go out and beat any of those teams at any point? Yes, they could. Because they're dangerous and they're scary. And last night put it all on display. The game was all-time special. But I took, I took a lot from the game outside of just what happened on the field. I took, I, took that, I took away from it that both of these teams could be potential Super Bowl threats. They're sleeper teams. They're not the favorites. They're not going to go into most games as a favorite. But as two wildcard teams, they're about as dangerous as it gets. And I want to see what they do. Both teams are well-coached. They're physical. They're well-prepared in every single game they play. And they have quarterbacks that are only improving. Baker Mayfield has had the best month of his career for the last few games. Uh, Lamar Jackson is dangerous in any game he plays in, regardless of whether he struggles with his arm or not. And so, yeah, it was the iconic moment, Lamar coming out of the locker room and getting that fourth and five. Yes, it was. And did Baker Mayfield show a ton of poise on his final few drives? Yes, he did. 
but I'm taking away from it more than just what actually happened last night. It was a classic, though. I'll be the first to admit. I was out of my seat watching the game. I was raising my hands every time a touchdown scored. I was, I mean, it was, it was a wild game, and Justin Tucker ended it with the only way he knows how as the NFL's best kicker and the kick, best kicker I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so it, it was a crazy night. I really enjoyed it. I think all NFL fans across the world who watched the game last night really enjoyed it. Uh, but again, two teams that are very, very dangerous, and nobody will pick them to win the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't either. But when push comes to shove, if I'm the if I'm the uh, T- uh, Kansas City Chiefs and I've got my first home playoff game in the divisional round and I get the first round by, the last team I want to see is a seventh seeded Baltimore Ravens coming off a win against somebody. I do not want to see them. They are just too dangerous. They're too cr- they're too crazy athletic and they're too physical. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see the Browns either. They're too well coached and Nick Chubb is just too good uh, for me to want to face him in a playoff game. I'd rather face any of the other teams. Maybe maybe not Tennessee because Derrick Henry's too good too. But uh, Indianapolis, I'd rather play them. Pittsburgh, I think I'd rather play them. Miami Dolphins, I think I'd rather play them. Uh, the, the Oakland Raiders or Vegas Raiders, I'd rather play them. Those other teams don't throw at you the type of physical game that these teams do, and that's how they're going to beat you. When it's cold and it's January and it's um, it's physical football and it's not about how, how many yards you can throw for, there are other elements to win football games outside of just the pass, and these teams do it as well as any two across the league. So very dangerous football teams, and I would not want to face them uh, if I were any other AFC team or any other NFC team if they could make a run of the Super Bowl. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, final segment of the day. We'll do just a quick Noah's number one performer, and then uh, that'll wrap it up for today. Be right back. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium veteran-owned coffee company, proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air-roasted, 100% money-back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, last segment of the day here on episode 9 of Shorts on Sports. Uh, we're going to do Noah's number one a performer of the week. And for me this week, I know it's NBA preseason. I understand that most people really don't care too much about the preseason. But my winner of the week is Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, a lot of fans or a lot of people listening to the show might go, who the heck is Taylor Horton Tucker? Well, let me tell you. He was a second-round pick for the Lakers last year out of Iowa State, at 41st overall pick, I believe. He's a shooting guard, six foot four, and he barely played at all during his rookie season. Was a member mostly of the Lakers G League team, and didn't get a chance to play on a veteran-laden team that had championship expectations. Ultimately, won the title, and so he, I think, he played 80 total minutes the entire season, something like that. So he really didn't even have a rookie season whatsoever. But he was hoping to get a bigger role with the Lakers in his second year, and in the first two preseason games, he has absolutely dominated. He scored 33 points in 41 minutes on Sunday against the Clippers, and in the first game had, I believe, 18 or 19 points in another win against the Clippers. So he's been the best Laker so far in the preseason, 
and has just dominated uh, the LA Clippers in the first two games. Has played a lot of minutes. Has played about 40 minutes in both games and was really deep in his bag of tricks uh, in both. Had 19 in the first game and then followed up with 33. He is very long. He's got really long arms. He's a seven-foot wingspan, can grab rebounds. He had nine rebounds on Friday, had another 10 uh, the other night. And he's going to be someone who's in the Laker rotation. Now, Frank Vogel wasn't really anticipating that he would get regular minutes, but I think once he saw him play in the first two preseason games, he realized that this kid is, is going to be something special and that he, he needs to find minutes for him ASAP because you don't want to waste a kid's, a, a kid's talent when he's this good, this young. He's only 20 years old. He just is out of college about a year ago, but he's going to get an opportunity to play on a veteran team and a team that wants to repeat as back-to-back champions. I don't think that he was expecting to play a lot of minutes, but you have to find a guy, find a guy like this some minutes in the rotation and get him some regular run or else you're wasting, you're wasting his talent. And so I expect him to play a lot, and I think for NBA fans out there that don't know who he is right now and think of him as just a total stranger, you'll get to know him if you watch the Lakers a little bit this season. He's going to play quite a bit, and I think he's going to play really well and impress a lot of people who don't know about him whatsoever. All right, that's going to do it for me here on Episode 9. Make sure you tune in uh, to our next episode, uh, which should be later this week, if not early next week, following Week 15. Uh, Make sure you follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's at SchwartzOS underscore BU. So Schwartz, capital O, capital S, underscore capital B, capital U. That's Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Good luck with finals to any college students out there that have them. I just had mine earlier today. So if you're taking them, good luck. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll see you all later.